everybody, all these guys like in the industry or whatever, like they're all so perfect. And it's like, man, we're just like everybody else. If I sit there and go, yeah, here's what I use. You should use it. I think you're setting people up maybe for failure. They're going to have a poor experience and they maybe even could put themselves in a dangerous situation. I just felt that I can help people not only understand the knowledge and break it down into the basics and how I can apply it, but then also craft a program to go, okay, here's what you need to go do now to go and gain some experience. That's the cool thing about hunting is like we get to see things because we're observing wildlife that most people in this world never even know go on. This is John Barklow and you're listening to the Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever, whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, you pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first buck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartice, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the Interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right, y'all, getting on with today's episode. I am here with Mr. John Barclow. John, thanks so much for uh, hopping on. Or, Well, we were going to hop on the line together, and then you said, hey, I think I'm about 15 minutes up the road from you. This has been a cool morning, Sam. Uh, let me tell you how it played out. So um, I got on a couple days ago just to make sure that you know we could connect um, virtually, and this morning I was sitting down, I was doing some work at my, at my desk and I saw that, you know, my friend, uh, Jack Carr had just <laughs> been on your, uh, your podcast and probably, I don't even know if it's been released yet. And, uh, so anyways, that made, and I'd been on your, your, your IG page and I was following, but I don't know, something made me because of Jack, something made me go there and click on your page and I saw it was Belgrade, Montana. Well, that <laughs> happens to be where I live. And then we connected on this Zoom call, and which wasn't going to work because the weather and the internet. Yeah, I think we got, what, about and I five said, hey, minutes man, in? I literally before. think we live 10 minutes apart. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are sitting in my barn doing a podcast. I like that it's not, it's not even like Belgrade and Bozeman or like Three Forks or somebody. It's like, no, we're both in Belgrade. Oh, oh yeah, no, Just, it was, yeah. I mean, opposite sides of town, but still. Yeah, but still. <laughs> no, that was, that was pretty wild. No, I love it. And it. I'm always happier when I get to do one in person. And I'm yeah. still a little bit in California mindset that I'm like, I feel like I'm further away from everyone than I am. And I need to remind myself that I can reach out to people and actually like meet up with them now. Yeah. I mean, I have access to, I mean, the center of the outdoors here, you know? I'd say if you're not in Bozeman or Salt Lake, like that, that those are the two epicenters, it seems like, of the mm -hmm. hunting industry right now. Uh, if you're around those two places, and yeah, you're going to be able to tap into a lot of people face to face. Yeah. I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes at that statement too, and they can just get the heck over it. There's so much, there's so much crap talking that goes on. Like the second you, the second you talk about the industry or whatever it is, like 
Dear Lord, people just need to calm down. And I'm like, okay, if you don't if you don't like the hunting industry, then go build your own bow. Go. Uh... Yeah. Well, we were talking before we jumped on the air, but I mean, the hunting industry. Yeah, we say that, but but really, when you when you kind of peel back even the very first superficial layer, we are just a bunch of normal people that all have the same passion. That you know, so, some of us were able to parlay that into a career and and you know others are are just super active participants but we're all the same people so you know i think people blow it out of proportion i try not to get all wrapped around the axle any of that like i'm just a normal guy who you know does a job and it just happens to be you know a job that directly ties to what i love to do so yeah well it's i've had i've had so many conversations on this topic with with different people from different perspectives of like Cause you know, I'm sure you probably get this too, where people find out what you do and they're like, Oh man, like I want to work in the hunting industry. And like, how do I do that? And, um, you know, well, and then uh, Cody and I talked, have talked about this tons of times. It's like, well, do you want to work in the hunting industry or do you want to hunt? Yeah. Cause there, a lot of the time, you know, unless you're really lucky, they can be mutually exclusive. <laughs> they, they can be. I mean, but, I, I have to structure my, my year, um, so that I get my time off in, in September to hunt as much as I want to. Right. And there are perks. There are definitely perks. Um, you know, I do get to go on, you know, one, two, three hunts a year that, you know, the business pays for, but as much as that sounds cool and it can be, um, it's work. Like I'm there to, to do a job Mm -hmm. and not to perform necessarily like, you know, dance, dance, but you know, to, to, promote the business or to promote a product or whatever and so even though it's enjoyable it is still work and you know there's an old saying does a mailman go for a walk on his day off and you know really what that means is you don't want to take a passion and turn it into a job and kill the passion Mm -hmm. and I went into this specifically with that consciously in mind and I was not going to let it ruin my my you know my love for hunting um and so there is a balance, you know, the, the nice thing is when I get off work, so to speak, um, let's say I was selling brooms <laughs> when, when, when I got done selling brooms at the end of the day, after eight hours, I'm not going to go home and keep thinking about brooms, but because I do what I do, like work and, and you know, my, my personal life, like it all kind of blends because it's all I think about. Like hunting is all I think about or the gear we use is all I think about. So that's kind of a cool aspect. But I had a buddy come down a couple years in a row from Alaska to hunt. He hadn't seen me in a while. And, uh, you know, we're out antelope hunting. And I think one year we went elk hunting and we're out here shooting the bows and everything. And, you know, my phone's blowing up and I'm doing texts. I'm on calls and, and he I mean, not, not like he didn't say it in like a bad way, but he goes, you don't really get any time off, do you? And I'm like, <laughs> not really, but it's okay because I like what I do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I could see, I have seen people kind of get run into the ground with that as well. So, I mean, I've, I've come to realize like even loving what I do, I do have to disconnect it sometimes because like you said, you have to be very cognizant that you're not burning out your passion because you know, there's times like I'll go fishing and in the back of my head, I'm kind of like, I got to make sure I'm, I'm generating content. Gosh, it's like, it feels yeah. dirty saying that. Yeah. But to some extent, like I just want to make sure I've got some pictures that I can share with people um, to get to the ultimate goal of whether it's driving them to the podcast so they can learn or, or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, but those times where I do, I just, I'm like, I'm just going to fish today. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to worry about like, okay, is the lighting good enough for me to get a good photo of the release on this track? <sighs> Screw that. Like, I'm just going to fish today. And I, you definitely have to say sometimes I'm just going to hunt today. I'm just going to fish today. I'm just, I mean, shoot, I can't even think of the last time I just went camping. Right, <laughs> right. Well, it feels liberating when you do that because all of a sudden, you know, you don't want to lose you don't want to lose sight of, you know, the beautiful sunrise or you don't want to lose sight of the smile on your face when that bull bugles and, and comes charging in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to be to be worried about oh is the lighting right is the is the cameraman where he needs to be or can i shoot because uh, you know it, it it can detract and again i've just been i've tried to be very aware of that and try not to let it ruin what i do like i mm-hmm. you know I, I i i still do wake up i mean this sounds kind of corny but I, I still do wake up sometimes and pinch myself that you know some of the things i wanted to do as a kid like i'm being able to live out right now and i think as long as i can kind of keep that perspective then you know the days where i'm grinding over a spreadsheet (laughs) that nobody gets to see or nobody talks about you know are are, are able to get balanced out by all the cool days that you know you get to run around uh the mountains yeah i think it's i i I, again i hate these words are coming out of my mouth because they're such a cliche (laughs) but it's all about finding that balance like it's you find what you love, just be cognizant of, of what you're doing it, your reasons for doing it. And I think as long as, again, you're, you're always aware of your reasons for doing what you're doing, you're not going to burn yourself out because you're, gonna, you're always going to be authentic with it. And if you're out hunting because you love hunting, it's, you're, you're not going to start hating it until, until you lose sight of why you're doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I've never been a good person with balance like i'm either all in or all out oh but, you're you're talking to the worst but, uh, but you know my, my, my you know my job is not such that i'm necessarily worried about like i don't go out and worry about capturing content necessarily i i think i've been around a lot of people that you know that's what they do and i think that would that would worry me that i would burn out on that Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not there yet. So, you know, let's hope I don't get there, but, but I, I could definitely see that. And I think that would happen in any industry. Oh yeah. With anything. But yeah. So how did you, how did you get into all this? How did you get your start when it comes to just hunting and the outdoors in general? Like, how'd you get introduced to it? Yeah. So, uh, maybe, maybe to go all the way back, but you know, I, I came from, you know, I grew up in Ohio. Nobody in my family well, my dad did a little bird hunting, but for the most part, nobody big game hunted at all. And uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I was drawn to archery, like immediately. So self-taught archery hunter in Ohio, trying to hunt white-tailed deer, very unsuccessfully, um, <laughs> but, but always had a passion for it. Uh, went in, enlisted in the military, and spent you know the next 26 years of my life uh, in the military, really kind of diverse career, you know, was a diver in the Navy for, well, for, for all of my career, but, um, got involved teaching diving to the SEAL teams and all kinds of really unique, cool things there and met some people along the way, thought maybe I'd get out of the Navy. I, I, I joked that I was trying to get out of the Navy from the day I got in, (laughs) but, uh, you know, maybe thought I'd become a mountain guide uh, like a ski mountaineering guide or something like that. So uh, transferred from Virginia out to California, started pursuing that on my off times, really got a lot of experience, met a lot of great mentors, um, started bringing some of that knowledge back to the, the SEAL community and able to, you know, to teach just n- n- nothing set in stone, just kind of like a la carte if they needed some stuff. And, and then 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 uh, happened, uh, I was one of, you know, a select few people handpicked to go basically get everybody ready to go to Afghanistan. And uh, we developed uh, clothing. We developed gear. We were able to work with the best outdoor brands in the industry um, to develop the things we needed in a very short amount of time. And so I was in- incredibly lucky that I had, you know, I came from nothing so to speak, experience-wise, I started working, made all the mistakes, um, met a few people, and then, you know, fell into the honeypot, um, and then was able to start tapping into some of the best talent, uh, whatever that was, it, be it land navigation, survival, climbing, skiing, you know, shooting, whatever it needed to be, like, I was able to access teachers to help me. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to then become a more proficient instructor and, and teach other people. So I did that for, you know, 15 years. And that was a great experience because, 
not only was it just me or me and my friends, but now I got to see, you know, how the words came out of my mouth or the techniques I described and how people digested those and, and executed on them. And then I could modify that and come back. So kind of jumped to the present. I decided I was ready to retire. I wanted to work in the hunting industry because I wanted to do something that, that I was passionate about. And I'd been passionate in the military and I just couldn't imagine a life that I didn't like what I did for a living. Um, very fortunate through quite a few, you know, interesting coincidences. Uh, one of which was, um, you know, Jack Carr, <laughs> my, my, my friend, um, knew Jonathan. They were uh, the founder of Sitka. They were uh, friends from high school. Anyways, I, I got to go and interview with Sitka and they hired me as their big game product manager. And so I've been doing that for six years and I've been able to leverage all the experience that I had uh, in the military, not just teaching and being an end user, but also in the development of, of clothing and equipment and, and how to use it and how to leverage it and how to explain that to people. And so I've been doing that for six years now, uh, you know, which takes us up to present time. So a really long path, yeah. uh, fairly diverse, but, but still moving in the same general direction that I kind of always wanted my life to move. You know, it's, I love, it's, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. Anybody that's listening to the podcast knows I all, pretty much always start with that question because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the time you get the whole, you know, yeah, I used to walk through the woods with my granddad's rifle and, you know, my dad took me out since I was four years old and shot my first deer before I was supposed to and, you know, all that whole story. Yeah. But uh, I love hearing about all the unique ways people get drawn into hunting and the outdoors and fishing because it's every 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 story is so unique you know it's like i i just kind of came into it through through shooting and this and that and i wanted to do something with it and then i never didn't even hunt with a rifle for the first three years <laughs> and um i think it gives people that are listening a little bit of inspiration to that are sitting there thinking like Okay, I don't have a chance at this. Uh, I'm 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 too far behind because I didn't get into it in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for people to hear that because, you know, there may be some guy out there, uh, you know, sitting on a base somewhere listening to this, going like, "Shoot, I should start. I should start taking these skills I'm I'm learning and learn to leverage them into into being in the outdoors and hunting and this and that or the other." And um, so it's, it's it's really cool to hear those those stories and and all of that. But so you know anyone that follows your page, I think uh, on Instagram, <laughs> uh, you definitely have a very specific focus on your page, though. I, I um, do, yeah. And you you definitely have a, a passion for uh, for kind of survival teaching and very instructional. Uh, you know, a lot of the people you can tell it's more of a more of a lifestyle thing where it's like, it's kind of inspirational um, versus like you sit down and you really, you have these videos and you break down a lot of stuff on your page. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, does that just kind of come from, from all of that teaching you did then in the military, all of that instruction, it kind of just transitions into what, uh, kind of what you're doing on Instagram now? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, um, there's a, a couple layers there. So, you know, I only really started doing anything on Instagram maybe eight or nine months ago, say nine months ago, um, th- th- for, for a bunch of different reasons. But, you know, one of which was working from home uh, because of the virus. I had, I could be a little more efficient with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing I would just say as a general statement is I realized I was selfish. Um, I had acquired through, you know, the journey I just described, 30 years of experience. And I think the experience is somewhat unique because it was kind of coming from nothing and being self-taught to uh, making every mistake that you could possibly make to being lucky enough to find mentors and be open to their teaching to then being able to leverage that into uh, being an instructor and like I said, that's where you really, what, what I found is that's where you really learn a subject is when you are per, the person standing in front 
um, conveying information and getting feedback from people. Because not only is it how do, you know, how do they take and digest a message, but what are they asking you back in return? Or when you're out in the field, you know, in all kinds of inclement weather, uh, you know, the quote real world, that's when things happen. And so if you only know one way, then that way is quickly going to, you know, have a bunch of holes poked in it, or you're going to have people that learn differently and you're going to have to be able to convey either the same idea in different ways or different ideas or different techniques or different methods so that they can, they can choose that for the application. Right. So, so, so there's all that. And I realized that knowledge in my head was selfishly uh, kept to myself. And the reason I did it is because, you know, you, there's nothing, I don't have nothing against social media, but I'm like, man, there's a bunch of other people out there doing that. And I just realized that maybe I have something to say as well. And maybe I can help somebody that person that I used to be, maybe that I can get across to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I say is I, I hope that I can lessen the steepness of the learning curve you still have to go through the journey. You still have to walk the miles. Uh, you know, Aaron Snyder, I think, said it best, and I don't know if he came up with this or he got this from somebody else, but I think it's, it succinctly says, it's easy to get knowledge nowadays, but it's hard to get wisdom. And so I can go to a YouTube page, I can find the information, but that doesn't make me a subject matter expert. So I just felt that I can help people not only understand the knowledge and break it down into the basic why it works and how it works and how I can apply it, but then also, you know, hopefully as I go forward, craft a program to go, okay, here's what you need to go do now to go and gain some experience. Um, I I shy away from, and and hopefully I'm not going too deep here, but, you know, I shy away from specifically trying to promote a product or to to promote, you know, the brand I work for. Not that I don't believe in the brand I work for, believe that the stuff I make is the best, but, you know, there can be a lot of, uh, I try to keep bias out of it, but it, there can be a lot of opinion, right? And, and, I, and quite frankly, I think it's, it's wasted time and effort. Uh, if I'm trying to, to consume information and I have somebody with 30 years of experience saying, hey, here's exactly what you need, uh, because that's what I use. I, I think that's, I don't want to say disingenuous. Maybe it is, but it's also maybe irresponsible. So if I go out in the mountains today, uh, and it's just so people know, it's like maybe mid-20s. It's, I think it's blowing 35 on the ridge tops. It snowed a foot last night in the mountains, and it's kind of cold, right? Uh, if I go out there, the kit I'm going to take, I would not recommend somebody who's been doing this one, two, three, or five years, Right? So if I sit there and go, yeah, here's what I use, you should use it, I think that that could be somewhat, I think you're setting people up maybe for failure, and I think that they're going to have a poor experience, and they maybe even could put themselves in a dangerous situation. So what I try to do is convey information that people can take and learn from and continue to apply in a safe manner, and, and then they, it's up to them to gain the experience, right? So that's a long way of saying I started an IG page nine months ago, and when you go there, it's not about me. It's not about trophy photos. It's not about, uh, you know, a promotion of a specific product. I am truly, it's an educational platform. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I hope people don't get bored. I do tend to be long-winded, as, as you can tell right now. <laughs> Um, but the reality is every single video I've done, and I think right now there's 40 on there. Every single video is, you know, can be no longer than, or I, I, I let them be no longer than 15 minutes. But the, the reality is I am merely scratching the surface of every one of those subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but it, but that's, that's all that's required right now for people to take some information, digest it, and then start to apply it. And then we'll come back for the second pass, and maybe we'll dig in a little deeper, and maybe we'll dig in a little deeper. The thing is, I'm not making this up. Like, I've written curriculum. I've taught courses. Um, you know, I've got outlines. Like, this is a very, if people see it or not, like, it, it can change from week to week, but it's a fairly, you know, tried and true, structured uh, set of building blocks to get people 
to where they need to go. And, and I mm-hmm. think it could be anybody from, you know, day one, I don't know what I'm doing to a year or two into it. Hey, I just bought a gun or a bow or because of the virus, I, I wanted to start hunting um, to maybe people that have been doing this 10 years. I've been doing this 30 and, and I'll tell you, I am not arrogant enough to think that I can't learn from anybody. I make, I still make mistakes and I learn all the time from those mistakes. But I mean, I, I've learned from people that, you know, literally have never seen snow and I'll get, I go out there and we start doing something. And because of that perspective of them, they ask a question or have, a, a, you know, a, a, say a statement that all of a sudden sparked something in my head and said, I've never thought of it that way before. And I just learned something. So anyways, I, you know, I like to say there's no off season and, and that, you know, you never stop learning. I mean, that's kind of the way I've approached it. So that's kind of the way I approach my IG page. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Well, I, I remember when I, when I, I love your approach because one of the first things that frustrated me, I remember I was building my kit, very first time, you know, I, and I'm the researcher. I'm the, like, like you said, I'm the guy that has the knowledge, just not the wisdom. Uh, and I would dig into every course, every article, everything. I'd look at, you know, 10 or 12 different guys gear you know gear setups and I'd kind of analyze what they have and what was you know they had in common and what the differences were and I'd look at that and uh I went on um went onto the Rockslide forums and I started putting up my gear list I'm like hey this is what I have and 90% of the people there are super helpful and then there was that like five you know 5 to 10% that were just like why would you use that? That's stupid. No, you need to do that. Like, use this product. And I'm like, why? And then they would get really butthurt that I didn't just immediately go, okay, I'm doing that. They're like, fine. Well, then you're going to fail or whatever, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I just want to understand why I should, why what I chose is wrong in your eyes so I can apply that to my situation because it's not always the same across the board. Or if I change the hunt that I'm going on, I want to know exactly how to apply that then to my next hunt. And I finally, I had some people reach out and they're like, just ignore them. <laughs> they're like, this is exactly why I'm like, yeah, thank you. That makes absolute sense. Um, well, first of all, the, you know, the, the, the one, it's not just with social media, but it's faceless, so to speak on social media. So it's a little more prevalent, but you don't know who that person is or what, what their experience is. And I will tell you that most people that, that either can't tell you why or cannot give you multiple alternatives don't have the depth of experience to actually be commenting. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I'm not saying they don't think they're doing something kind or, or, or helpful. You know, helpful but they don't have the depth of experience. And so, you know, it's just like, I have people ask me, you know, what does it take for me to be a field tester? I said, well, the first thing is I have to respect your opinion, (laughs) right? Because if I don't respect you or your opinion, then we don't even have anything to build a relationship on. Um, And then the second is, right, experience. But, you know, that's what I see is, well, you have to do it this way. Well, I'm here to tell you, having done it for so long and working for a brand, that there are multiple ways to do it. There are multiple pieces of kit. I mean, there are probably a few things where it's like, listen, this is clearly the best of, you know, whatever, let's just say a stove. But that doesn't mean that the other stoves can't work for you. Okay, the other thing you have to roll into the equation is how are you applying that? Where are you applying that? What is your hunting style compared to mine? So if you're in Arizona and I'm in Montana and you hunt coos deer in August and I hunt, you know, elk in October, late rifle in November, like your kit and my kit are going to be completely different. And <laughs> they jet should, stream jacket and probably they, may not it, be the best exactly, option. Exactly. <laughs> and they, and they should be. And so, but people don't see it that way. They just try to make this, this blanket 
kind of statement. And that's not, you know, it's just not the way it should be. And there's a difference between fact and opinion. And most of us, what we say is opinion-based. I think this is the best because of this. Okay, great. Your experience level, your, 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 your physical fitness level, your knowledge level, whatever it is, has to be factored in. And that's why blanket statements are kind of, I don't want yeah. to say dangerous, but they're just ignorant, right? Um, and that's what I'm trying to, I'm not saying break the mold, but that's what I'm trying not to do, right? If people ask me specific questions, I will answer them. I won't shy away from it. But I also find it, it's more important to understand, um, you know, as opposed, like I just did something on water purification and filtration. It's more important to understand how a method uh, purifies water, why it works, and what the pros and cons are than specifically telling, a, telling you about one specific product in the market that does that, mm-hmm. right? Now, I could give you an example of one, but I even shy away from that because people will immediately a, a, be attracted to that. And I'd rather you hear the message of this is the knowledge. And then if they ask questions, I'm like, yeah, you have these options. They're all good options. Hey, what do you think about that? That's a good option too. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just trying to, you know, say, if you don't do it my way, you're dumb. Um, that's not, that's not, that's not the case. Well, it goes back to a lot of what kind of what we talked about. It, again, the difference between knowledge and wisdom as well, because you'll be put in situations where something that you learn doesn't apply and the same happens with products. Um, you know, say just a specific example of water filters. Say you're on a hunt, you break your water filter. We're here in Montana, you know, depending on the kind of water filter you get, these things can, if you don't clear them out, they'll freeze over and crack. Yep. You go, you go run into town. It's a small town, you know, who knows where you're running into and it's you, they got the, the gas station sports sportsman's store and you got to find a water filter or else you're kind of screwed on your hunt. Yep. Um, or whatever it happens to be. (sighs) You need to know why that water filter worked for you and why you selected that one, not necessarily why just that it's that one. Because if they don't have that Sawyer Mini or that MSR or whatever, um, you're going to be screwed and you're going to not have confidence in your equipment, in your gear at that point. And, you know, that's (laughs) the the start of a downhill hunt right there. The second you start losing confidence in... Yeah. And yep. being able to be out, yep. out in the yep. wilderness. So. And, and believe me, I, I, I understand that people want, you know, we'll call it the easy button. Like, listen, just tell me, like, tell me where to start or tell me what I need. I, I think that's okay, but I think there has to be, there, there has to be a deeper dive into the why. Um, because truly, if you want to, if you want to be good at this and you want to do this and you want to have fun and you want to have, you know, freedom to roam around the mountains. And I like to say, you know, I don't want to get pushed out of the mountains. I want to leave on my terms, not mother nature's, mm-hmm. um, that you do have to dive in and, and begin to understand this there, there, you know, I can, I can help, or, you know, different platforms can help steepen or lessen the steepness of the learning curve. Um, but there still is a learning curve and, and there is no easy button. Like, you know, I'm, I've been successful, you know, hunting some elk, but I'm not as good as Corey Jacobson calling or, or Jason Phelps calling or, you know, Dirk Durham calling. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I practice and I shoot my bow a lot, but, you know, I'm not as good as a Levi Morgan or a John Dudley or I don't stalk as good as Aaron Snyder. I mean, there's still things for me to learn as well, right? But there's things for them to learn as well, as you know, too. And so I think there's really good platforms to go to to kind of get some of that knowledge, but you know, everybody just wants to, you know, pack their, pack their ruck and go. And, you know, I've unfortunately, you know, seen it and heard it and talked to people too many times where they're, you know, coming from Pennsylvania, coming from Ohio, uh, you know, coming from South Carolina, whatever. And they're coming out West. We were talking about the romanticism of, of hunting the West and, Mm -hmm. and it is, and it's super cool. And it's all I ever dreamed about. Um, but the reality is the harsh reality is it's going to kick you in the ass. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a very steep learning curve, no matter how much information you pack between your ears, you still got to come out here and do it. Right. And, and that's, but that's the fun part too, like come out and gain that experience and do it. And so, you know, I, 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 I tag my posts with knowledge from storms. And, and what I mean by that is that's the way I've kind of looked at, 
you know, at my journey up into this point, which is I spent a lot of shitty nights out. I've been wet. I've been miserable. I've left hunts early. I've driven home from hunts early with my tail between my legs. I've failed. Uh, you know, I've missed, I've wounded, I've done it all. Like I don't necessarily shy away from that. And I'm not saying I'm not perfect now, but what I try to do is learn from every one of those mistakes and I write them down and then I try to circle back and I've made several of them multiple times. (laughs) That's just life. I just try to limit the number of those that I do the, the more, you know, miles I put under my belt going forward. But people, you know, no, nobody talks about that or everybody thinks like, man, everybody, all these guys like in the industry or whatever, like they're all so perfect. And it's like, man, we're just like everybody else. Like (laughs) at the end of the day, mother nature and the animal get a vote. So, you know, if you can make yourself as indestructible as possible, the most durable human you can and pack all the knowledge you, you can get between years and start gaining some, some experience, which again is the fun part. Like, dude, then just sit back and enjoy the next 30 years of your life of this journey we call the, you know, the outdoors or the backcountry or, you know, insert moniker here. But like, that's what it is. Like, you're not probably going to shoot a 360 bull your first year or 10 out in the mountains. (laughs) Four years. (laughs) I mean, you're just definitely feel that. But it'll happen. Yeah. Like there's a good chance if you just keep putting in the time, it'll happen. So, anyways, I'm I'm kind of like going down rabbit holes now. But no, that's a rabbit holes are the where all the good stuff is, man. Yeah. No, I I, I feel that. Like and anyone, you know, you're not as familiar with my story, but the the folks that have been listening for a while, they know my whole history with elk hunting and mm. you know it, it i kind of mentioned it like i fell in love with that romanticism and my first hunt i was like i'm going to idaho i'm going solo and i'm doing it diy with my bow and uh that was definitely uh enlightening knowledge from storms was <laughs> you know and i mean i knew the likelihood was probably yeah, yeah. zero you know what it what is it like uh 11% or 12% success rate for archery elk, or is it even that much anymore? <laughs> like, I think it's less than 10. Yeah, or maybe it's, I think that might be a rifle or something, is, is that 12%, but... Um, yeah, so, I think, I think archery is yeah. like between 5 and 8%, something yeah. like that. It's, it's minuscule, but... So I knew, like, I mean, I knew that the, the percentage <laughs> was even a lot less for me going out for my effectively first ever real hunt and yeah. doing this and yeah i mean i did it anyway and it was miserable and i got punched in the face multiple times real hard and i i came out of there with my tail between my legs yeah and but i, I bet shared you that whole story too. oh my gosh i learned a ton and every year since you know i uh went into went into it and cody and i kind of talked about that on our podcast uh where like what finally clicked and and the stuff uh because I finally got my first elk this year. Awesome. And it was it, it was amazing. But it took me four years. And every yeah. year, I look at it, and it is like a super clear progression of growth mm-hmm. from year to year. If you kind of listen to the episodes, I, I do a recap after each one. And um, and I talk just about what I learned. Perfect, and man. That, that is awesome yeah. that, that, that you can go through that process and people can learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Not only you, but you can you can provide that value to other people you 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 you've beat the trend i mean if you shot an elk in your first on year four i think i think the average is one every 10 mm-hmm. and i think somebody who's starting out you know it's like 10 and i don't, I don't mean that to like like crush people's soul i don't i don't mean that i don't, I don't mean to do that at all uh i'm just saying it it's not it's not as easy as as everyone you know kind of portrays it to be yeah and so because of that like man, like that, that's why, you know, training and, 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 um, you know, shooting your bow and, and looking at gear and tweaking your kit and learning from other people and listening to podcasts. It's like, I, I do it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be maybe, you know, one of the, 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 you know, the, the, the people in the industry, you know, uh, follow me. And I'm like, yeah, but you also got to understand I'm human. And like, I still get my ass kicked all the time. Matter of fact, when the weather's good and the animal's plentiful, 
and say I kill on day one, two, or three, like I probably don't learn very much on those trips. It, mm-hmm. It's the ones where you go out and get schooled and you think you're good and then animals or the mountains have a way of just like knocking you back down and saying, Hey little man, like you're not as good as you think you are. We still, we still rule, you know? Um, it's almost like when you have one of those good years, you're like, Oh crap, it's coming now. <laughs> it's, it's the scales are oh, a little dude, bit tilted. I, tell you, I had a year. I see. It was, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. You say that. Cause I think it was 2016 or 20. It was, no, it was the second year I was out here. So I think 2017. It was 2017. So I'd been out here. I'd had, I'd had some success, a little bit of success already, you know. And I'd been archery hunting for 30 years. That wasn't the issue. But like elk, mule deer, antelope, you know. And uh, that year I was just like, I almost, I had to work for it, but it was almost like I could do no wrong. Like, I mean, <laughs> I was getting opportunities. I was getting stocks. I was, I was you know, everything I, I shot died within sight. Like it was just one of those years and I came out of that year and I was so fired up. And then I was like, I'm going to get pummeled for the next couple of years. I just know it's coming. This and, one was so good. And it's for not even two one year. years, man, my, my friends were, you know, I was still killing stuff, but my friends were joking. They're like, dude, you have a, like a black cloud over your head. I mean, let's put it this way. I've invested, uh, nine, I think 21 days. I've, I've invested 21 days in the last couple of years, moose hunting. Um, once in Northern British Columbia and once in Central British Columbia on work trips, you know, mm-hmm. the first 12 day trip, I never even saw a moose. Oh. The second trip I never saw. I think I saw a bull that had, you know, antlers as big as his ears. Um, I know people that have gone out first year, you know, and, and shot a really nice bull, but you know, it was like, I just wasn't even getting stocks. Like I wasn't even getting shot opportunities. Like it just wasn't happening, you know? And so, you know, you have an opportunity. It's like, do I, do I, you know, I thought that I was going to quit, but it's like, do I give up or, you know, do I double down and just keep, just keep staying the course. And, you know, this is archery hunting or this is hunting in general. Like it, it'll come around You're, you know? And so this year, this past season, like at a, at a good year, like a solid year, like not, you know, now, hopefully not like 2017 again where I get smacked to next year. But, uh, but, you know, that's what I tell people. It's like, you know, I, I, I hear all the time. It's like, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to Colorado and shoot a, shoot a bull. It's like, awesome. How many elk have you shot? None. Uh, how many animals you killed with your bow? You know, a dozen or six or doesn't matter. It's like, okay, well, what are your, what are your standards? Well, it's 320 bull or nothing, or it's a six by or nothing. I'm like, man, to each his own, but what I recommend is kill the first legal animal that, that you have a great shot opportunity on, enjoy the, enjoy the experience, enjoy the process, and get, get reps under your belt so that when you get out there on your fourth or fifth year and you get that beautiful 320 bull come out, bugle in your face with steam coming out of his nose one morning on the edge of a beautiful meadow, you've been there before, and you can execute and you, you've kind of earned it, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. but I think people set themselves up for failure and, you know, and I kind of did, I, I did for a long time with whitetail, right? Cause, and I still am not, I'm not that good a whitetail hunter but <laughs> for as much as I've whitetail hunted, but I can't sit still long enough. For that you know, garbage. but it's like, man, <laughs> if I held out to shoot a, a, a 170 class whitetail, I would have never shot a whitetail up into this point in my life. Right. <laughs> like I've never shot that. I've seen one in my life on the hoof. So, um, you know, again, so everybody has to kind of figure it out, but you know, if you live in whitetail country, then set that standard. If you live in elk country, set that standard. But when I travel back East or Midwest to hunt whitetail, like I got to be a little realistic about that, you know? And, and, uh, but the other thing I see is again, not, not, I'm not harping on the, on the folks back East. I mean, I'm, I'm from there. They're, they're my kin, but, uh, you know, I talked to a guy the other day and I, I hadn't really gotten the debrief on his elk hunt. And uh, I'll just say he came from back east. And let's just say sea level. And he drove to Colorado <laughs> or flew, flew to Colorado, flew to Colorado, rented a truck. I just know where this is going. Drove to the trailhead and got out of the truck to start hiking at 10.5, 10,500 feet <laughs> from sea level. Okay, so I, I could already tell you, like, you, you've already exceeded 
any any amount of elevation gain you should have in one day period, let alone get out and start to do a physical activity. Well, even even though his will was there, he was just physically crushed and and beaten down. Yeah, and he didn't you know he didn't understand that he didn't he hadn't been exposed to that um, you know before. Nobody you know people had probably talked about it, but he hadn't really like experienced it and kind of you know put two and two together. And well, so, that elevation until you really experience like really really experience it, you just don't understand like. You think like, okay, I'll be out of breath or something like that. Yep. It's, no, your whole body just does not want to function correctly. Yep. Like it's, it's wild. And, and everybody's different. And, and then I've even seen that like even on given, you know, days or years or, you know, depending on hydration, a bunch of stuff, like it can affect you differently. Like I've seen some of the toughest dudes like I've ever known literally be brought to their knees by altitude, right? And so it's like, you're going to drive to 10.5, you're going to go run around, you're going to kill a bull, a 320 bull, you've never killed one, and you're going to haul it out of the mountains <laughs> by yourself on your first elk hunt. I'm like, bro, like, why don't, we, why don't we have a discussion? Why don't we break this down, take this trip, make it into smaller chunks, and set you up for success? And then maybe in year three or four, you know, as you progress, all of a sudden these things are coming together and you've built a solid foundation. So... Um, and I get it. It's it's hard sometimes. Like, say you're coming of from Pennsylvania is, or the yeah. East Coast, and you're like, and you're thinking like, this is my only elk trip. Uh, you know, it's not like us driving to Idaho or something. You yep. know, this is a severe investment, so it may be their only elk trip. And I get that. You want to make the most of it. You want to shoot that uh, booner of a bull. But okay, if this is the only elk trip you're going to do, maybe you need to find ways to mitigate that. Yep. Maybe you need to go on a guided trip. Maybe you need to figure some some other things out because the likelihood if you're gonna if you've never done this before and you want to take this thing on, you have to be able to accept that <laughs> the percentage is not great, not in your favor. Or go for two weeks and not seven days. Exactly. You know something. I mean, hell, I may never go on another. Uh, I ne- may never go on another moose hunt, right? I didn't go into that thinking it's 60 inches or bust. Like, yeah. I, and I may never get to go again. When I left Alaska, you know, I lived up there for many years. Like when, when I walked away from Alaska, I just had to realize that I maybe would never go sheep hunting again. Like that's just the reality, right? So was I going to pass up on, a, on an eight-year-old who gives a shit what he scores ram on my last year up there? Or was I going to take advantage of a nice legal ram because it might be the last of my life, you know? And so, like I said, to each his own, but I think that, you know, you want to talk about the industry, like <laughs> we don't do a great job of, of, um, and it's not just the industry, but we don't do a great job of just metering, you know, the reality of what it is um, that, that some of these things are. I mean, when I go back East, I don't get the whitetail hunt very much. Like, I'm not whole, like, every, everybody's different, but it's like, listen, the first, you know, five-year-old buck that walks by, like, and offers me a great opportunity, I'm probably going to take that opportunity, you know, because I understand how difficult it is. I understand that, you know, you pick seven or 10 days on a calendar, it's not, you know, the most conducive to being successful whitetail hunting. Well, that's, that's one of the things I've noticed, and I've seen a lot more companies do it, especially this year. Where, you know, it's really easy to glorify whether it's our, you know, I say R, I started to say R, I'm like, I don't have a pro staff. Actually, I do have one pro staff member. It's a, it's kind of a, a longstanding joke. My, <laughs> my buddy Weston, <laughs> he was the first guy to get a hat for free from me. And so he's my only official ever pro staff member, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you got one. There we go. There we go. Um, I think he, I, I don't, I doubt he still has it. He used to have it in his Instagram profile. <laughs> it, was, it was our joke for the longest time. But, um, you know, it's, you know, whether it's promoting pro staff or this or that, or, you know, always the guys with the giant, the giant elk or whatever. And recently I've seen it happening a lot more where a company's Instagram, they'll share somebody's, somebody's first doe. Mm-hmm. or something and you know they'll share that picture and and hype that up just as much as the giant uh the giant muley buck that that somebody shot you know up in the high country whatever it is right. and 
I think uh, if we start seeing people do that more often, companies, you know, a lot of these, uh, I've seen a lot of these aspirational individuals do that as well, where, you know, maybe a follower that they've had, got, had a connection with over a long time finally harvests something and they'll share it and hype them up. And it's like a teeny little, little spike or something. And I mean, shoot, everybody, everybody that's been watching knows my first, my first mule deer, my only mule deer is a teeny ass little velvet spike. Mm-hmm. My elk this year was a, a four point raghorn. And you know what? It's, I'm not sure if you saw it in the, when we were on the zoom call, but that's dead center oh, yeah, right yeah. behind my head on yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Whenever I'm on video chat, yep. because I'm proud as hell of that thing. And, and, and you know what? And you should be. And, and that's the difference is like, you know, the sliding scale. If, if I've lived in Wyoming my whole life and, and I've killed a bunch of mule deer since I was 12 years old, you know, and I've killed a 200 inch buck and I'm really proud of that. Um, that, that same person is just as proud as that deer is the person that, you know, just killed their first, you know, basket rack whitetail back East on their family farm. Like the, the, they're the same. They're the same thing. They can mean the same thing to to, to those people, right? Uh, the other thing is, I think a lot of people discount the meat. Like what I've realized going into you know the the ninth inning of of elk seasons on on uh, a few years, is that it's more important for me to have elk meat in my freezer than to have you know a, a big uh, set of antlers on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I'm doing it for. And I think people have to kind of figure that out for themselves. But man, I, I am, I am as fired up for somebody who, I, I don't care what it is. If they're fired up, if it, if it made them excited, they made a great shot. They put in the time, the effort, the work, they put in the dedication and they got it done. Good on them. Like good on them. I, I don't, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't pass that judgment. You know, I, I, I'm not, you know, you'll probably never see an animal on my Instagram page. Cause to me, that's not the point. Like that's not, that's yeah. not what's important to me. Um, what's important to me is, you know, proficiency in the mountains. So, you know, I like to kind of keep my successes and failures. I don't mind talking about the failures, but to myself, because to your point earlier, like I don't want to have to get into this, this weird place where I like feel compelled to you know, like somebody who's got a TV show, like at a certain point, I can only imagine the pressure they must be under to have to produce. And by producing, it means they have to kill something. Yeah. And then even more so, it's like, well, they have to kill just as big or not bigger. Like that's a, that's a, that's a spiral that you could go down and end up in, in some dark places, you know? So I just try to keep it pure, man. Just like I said, I want to, I, I literally try to go out there and, and, you know, I try to keep perspective. I literally try to go out there and think about the 12-year-old boy in Ohio when he got his first bear whitetail hunter bow and how excited and jazzed I was. I still got the arrow right there, that, that autumn orange 2315 aluminum Easton arrow, right? <laughs> Love it. Like, I'm like, if I can keep that perspective, I'll never have a bad day out in the field. If, if, I, if I kill something or not, and uh, anyways, we're going down all kind of rabbit holes. Yeah. I, I just want to try to help people go out there and enjoy themselves and be safe in the process. And then whatever it is, however they define success is kind of up to them, you know? Yeah. So uh, if folks wanted to uh, find these videos, where can they, where can they check them out? Uh, Jay Barklow. So uh, Jay Barklow on, on Instagram is where I got my videos. And yeah, so... That's kind of, kind of what I've been up to. I'm pretty excited. You know, it's, it's, it's good. I love teaching and it's been, so as much as I've been selfish, uh, to not give the information now that I've given the information, I realize I'm still somewhat selfish because (laughs) I'm getting probably as much, if not maybe more satisfaction out of it than, than maybe some of the people following along. What's the saying? There's, there are, there are no truly selfless deeds (laughs) because even when we do something that's selfless, we feel a little bit good about ourselves. Yeah, I think that's okay. I don't think that's a bad thing. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. 
Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, so maybe you run into someone, you know, they know you're a hunter or whatever that happens to be, and and they uh, they tell you, they're like, man, you know, I never, I don't have any background or experience in this. I don't know anyone that does it, but I've always wanted to try hunting or, you know, go get into the outdoors or whatever it may be. Like, it's it sounds so cool. Like, I, I really want to do this, but I don't know if, I don't know if I can. What, you know, what general kind of advice or direction or words of wisdom would you give someone like that? Hmm. Well, I think you're better off trying to find somebody to talk to in person than try to, you know, get advice online. I just, I'm not saying it's bad, but I just think you're better off trying to find somebody either, you know, at a hunter education program is probably your first step anyways to, to go and hunting, you're going to have to take that program. Mm-hmm. I think you can meet some, some good people there. Um, I also think that, you know, you can reach out to some people. Like I said, people in the hunting industry for the most part are pretty, pretty open and honest and just good human beings and, you know, can maybe start you in the right direction. I, I just, you just have to, you know, take it for what it is. Like, I think you should really want to go out there and enjoy nature and like get to experiencing. That's the cool thing about hunting is like, mm-hmm. we get to see things because we're observing wildlife that most people in this world never even know go on. And, uh, and I think that's the cool part. And it's like, yeah, I definitely want to fill tags, but I also have to know that it's this other part of the equation. That's the, the bigger portion of it. Like, even if you kill one animal a year, like, what are you doing the other 99% of the time, right? And um, anyways, there's tons of information out there. But I, I think you have to take a hunter education class, trying to meet somebody in person, um, trying to connect with somebody locally that understands, you know, your animals in, in your neck of the woods is, is definitely a good way to go. I mean, like I said, I struggled for a long, long, long time and then just, you know, met a friend met a mentor, somebody would take me under the wing, show me a couple things. And then, you know, I'd get to go out and do it, experience it, fail, succeed, come back, reload, go again. And, uh, just look at it as a journey and, and not just like something that's like a, you know, quick thing you're going to achieve instant success. Cause it's it, yeah. probably not. <laughs> well, it depends how you define success, but yeah. And I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down. And I, you know, I mean, I've talked about it a million times on there and that's, I think that is the key to enjoying this whole process regardless. Yeah. Every year is defining that success appropriately. But yeah. um, I'm going to run one more thing by you and it's just cause it came up recently and I'd, I'd like to address this on the podcast. And um, I had a buddy reach out to me and you know, a lot of the advice I get, uh, from people is like reach out to someone everyone in the hunting industry you know wants to talk and wants to engage and this and that and and he has been having uh a lot of trouble with that he's like you know man i listen to the podcast and you know you you guys always say like reach out everyone wants to talk about hunting this and that and he's like honestly the experience i've had i i can't get info. And he, and this is not a guy who's going out and being like, where do you hunt? You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's having trouble like finding mentorship opportunities, people mm-hmm. to talk to things like that. And, you know, initially my, my initial thought is kind of like, well, you just keep having to be persistent and keep expanding out and, and, and reaching out to people and, and sitting and, and dedicating the time to talking to them and getting to know them. But I was curious if you might have any additional insight on something like that. Somebody that is having trouble finding a mentor uh, in the industry and has just kind of had a bad experience with people just not being interested. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is not everybody in the industry or on social media from the industry is doing it or looking to be a mentor. Like, let's just be honest, right? I mean, there's a lot of shameless self-promotion out there and they're doing it to, you know, generate revenue, which is fine for, for the sake of their own ego. So let, let's just be, let's just be clear about that. But with that said, there are a lot of people, and I don't want to mention any names because people are going to pile <laughs> on, but, but there are a few people for sure that are friends of mine in the industry that are pretty selfless people that, that absolutely have time for you. The, the thing, the one thing I would say is you have to understand that, you know, 
I have a full-time job. The, these other folks have, a lot of us have full-time jobs. These so, professional hunters are, I'm doing air quotes because you guys can't yeah, see this. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah but, but so here's what I ask people. If somebody reaches out and asks me a question, uh, uh, most of the time I will go back and say, I can't really honestly answer your question until you provide me some context. So think about the question you want to ask. Make sure it's specific and not too broad, and then provide some context. It's like, hey, I want to go to Colorado. I'm coming from back east. You know, I'm not in shape, or I am in shape, or I've never put a backpack on. Like, give me some context or give these other people some context so that we can probably, you know, that we can direct you in the, in the right place and hopefully give you the best bit of advice we can. Like the reality is I can't go out there and hunt with you. Right. So I'm willing to help, but you know, I think people appreciate when it shows you've done some, some background and legwork to get to the point where you're asking a question that you really want an answer to sometimes. And I don't get a lot of questions, but sometimes I think questions are, are directed more to get a response from me than to actually get Information. But, but, but to actually get the information, you know, um, I, I, unfortunately we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it before we started, but you know, the show's being canceled, but some of these consumer shows like Western Hunter is an excellent one. Like if you had three days, no matter where you are in the country and could fly out to Western Hunter, which unfortunately, I'm sorry, it's not going on this year, but to go to Salt Lake and go to Western Hunter, you could walk around and literally talk. And, and understand that we are normal people and talk to myself, Randy Newberg, Corey Jacobson, Aaron Snyder, like Brian Call, like everyone's there. And if you're not like, you know, talking to somebody, like I think everybody has time to speak. And I think if you get those opportunities, I would say don't squander it by, by asking some random question, like <laughs> actually have an agenda of what you're trying to, to elicit. Like if you want to know about backpack hunting, like Snyder would be a great guy to talk to. You know, if you want to know about a clothing system, like I'm probably a great guy to talk to. If you want to know about calling out like Corey or Jason, like those are great guys to talk to. And so, you know, it is going to take a little effort. Um, but I also think that the more I'll speak for myself, the more effort I see somebody, uh, putting in to trying to get the information and build a relationship, the more I'm willing to give back, uh, if that makes any sense. Because we all have mm -hmm. just a short amount of time. Well, I think, again, just reiterating what you said, give us, when you're asking people these questions, show that you've done as much research as you exactly. can, yep. that you've put in the effort, um, and, and give that context. Because, you know, if... Like I said, if I, uh, yeah, Corey and Jason, you know, say they're sitting there talking at the Phelps booth or something and, and you come up and you're like, Hey man, uh, can you teach me how to call elk? There's a lot to, to deal with there versus you come up to them and be like, Hey, you know, I've tried these Rocky mountain calls. I've tried these Phelps calls. I'm struggling to figure out how to get the right fit. And then I, or like, maybe I've been doing this, I've been practicing, but I, I just can't get this sound quite right. That's like a, a, a quick, can often be like a quick five minute discussion versus like then, uh, versus them having to sit and, and it's not that they don't want to take that time. It's a lot of time they can't. And you, you don't if there's have the time. hundreds of people coming up to ask yeah. them these same questions all the time, yeah. again, they're real people and sometimes they want to hang out with their friends at the Hunt Expo too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect case in point. So this, this happens or has happened quite often, say at the shows where somebody comes up and says, Hey man, like what sick of gear do I need? And I'm like, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so first question is, what do you like? What are you, what are you doing? What are you hunting? Yeah. Like waterfowl, whitetail, big game, big game. Okay. And then I start a series of questions to help narrow it down quickly. You know, what are you hunting? When are you hunting? How do you hunt? How long are you, are you going to hunt? What weapon of choice do you use? And all of a sudden we can start narrowing that down. But if you come up and say, you know, Hey, I'm going to go on my first elk hunt. I'm going to go to Colorado. It's going to be a muzzleloader hunt. It's going to be on horseback. And you start helping me. I can, I can literally dial you in, in five minutes or 10 minutes. Right. And the same with Corey. It's like, Hey, Corey, like, I go to an area in Idaho 
they're call shy bulls. There's a little bit of hunting pressure. Like I had this one set up last year and you start to paint this scenario. Corey is going to literally be able to narrow it down and give you that nugget of information that you are seeking and you're going to get it right from the expert. Right. And so that's what I mean. Like if you give Mm -hmm. a little context, if you help steer the question, then you can get that information. But you know, if it's just some, some random question, like, Hey, what, you know, what bugle do I need? I'm like, have you ever bugled before? Like, do you even, do do you hunt out? Like, you know, I mean, there's so many factors, um, that, that go into it. It's like, Hey, what, what arrow do you shoot? And it's like, well, that's not the right question. The question is, you know, what arrow do you shoot out of your setup for elk? What pounds do you shoot on your bow? And what's on the front of that arrow on the Mm -hmm. broadhead side to, to kill the animal? It's like, okay, now all of a sudden you have, I have context or you have context for the answer I'm giving you. And when you, we're all short on time, you know, that just helps all of us. And, and that's what I'm trying to, to kind of do is, you know, if we can educate people better than one, they're going to be able to make better buying decisions. They're going to be able to make, uh, ask better questions and they're going to get a better experience. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like when you have a bunch of people lined up and, and mm-hmm. I'll speak for myself, like I will literally stand there and I've, I, and that's what I'm saying. Everybody in the industry is smart or, uh, or nice. All those guys I just mentioned, every one of them will stand there literally until they kick you out of the event hall to answer your questions. So the more efficient you can be with your time and our time, you know, either online or face to face, like I, I think the more engagement those yeah. people are going to see from the questions they're asking. Well, and that t- I mean, and I think that takes a little bit of self-awareness on, it, on it your does. part. You have to understand what you're actually asking and, and your reasons for asking, because I think you nailed it earlier, too. Some people just want an excuse to talk to you. Yeah. Like, like Corey Jacobs, like, shoot, I've been there. When I first met him, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right, like, I got, you feel like I've got I've to ask, like, a poignant question about elk calling if I'm going to talk to him. You can also just go say hi, be like, hey, dude, I, I really love following you. I love yeah, the I love films your, you put I lo- out. Yeah, I love your Elk 101. <laughs> and, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yep. But awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm glad we actually got to meet up dude, in person this here. This is crazy. I don't think this will be the last time we talk for sure. But, Definitely uh, not. Yeah, but no, thanks for the invite. Uh, appreciate it getting on and riffing. Sorry if I went down some rabbit holes, but... Nope, like I said, those are, those are my favorite, favorite spots to be, so... Cool. <laughs> All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 